can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. <laughs> Hold on, let me open this thing. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Have you ever done a podcast? It's going to be a, a no for me. A no for me, dog. Yep. That's really good. Is this an Eric? This is an Eric buy? Um, if it's a beer, yeah. then yes, but Dude. let's be honest, everything is an Eric buy, Chris. <laughs> that sugar daddy you know what i mean <laughs> i'm a snack daddy mm. <laughs> i snack always away. i always bring the snacks that's true shake and roll shake and roll beach a little that bit one? a little went in my nose uh, that one's not as good as uh the og oh man oh summertime you know oh man so like how do I get my good podcast voice? Do I need to be down low? I had a question for you. An ethical question. Oh, Chase. Uh, because this... Do I need a chug real quick? You can drink while I'm asking you. <laughs> uh, I had, a, I had an, a thought, and I've heard this thought before, but I started thinking about it, especially since the procedure I had this week. Um, the idea was that I know... I don't know everything that is in... Uh, anesthesia when you go under um for like a, a local cert or for a general surgery when they put you under i think that there's uh at first that uh, there's a few different components to the anesthesia i know one is a paralytic and then one also uh, uh basically dislodges your consciousness from current base puts you into a sleep state but non-dreaming sleep state i think there's a couple other things as well it also depends on if you're doing general, local. Sure. There's maybe not a paralytic, but yes. Okay. Um, uh, for for going under, I think right. If they put you under, there's a paralytic. I think right. Well, let, let's just for example, okay. let's, just for fun, let's let's pretend there is. The thought experiment was that uh, there is no uh, there is no uh, disconscious or I don't know what you would call it, where you basically get put under for sleep. Um, you never lose consciousness, um, but the paralytic is the only thing that happens during anesthesia. Uh, so you you have no ability to you have no ability to move or talk or anything. They and they just you know tape your eyes, but you are fully conscious. You feel every bit of the surgery. No no matter what it is, even open heart everything. But there's a marker placed uh, at the point of uh, the beginning of the surgery, and that's done uh, medically uh, through the anesthesia. And then upon the completion of the surgery, they go to end the the anesthesia, and they give you a second sedative or whatever that is, which uh, basically brings you back from the, the paralytic state, but also erases your memory for that time. So you forget everything. Um and that's why people are like, yeah, it's just a blip. Like you don't remember anything. So there's no recollection of the surgery, but you're actually alive the whole, or you're actually conscious the whole time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you don't even remember going into the OR because, because the said, well. Right. So yeah. the question is, oh, if, man. if that's the case, would that be humane? Would that be humane? Yeah. W w would that be a humane, um, would that be a humane way to perform a surgery? Because the person does won't remember anything. So it's not like they're going to remember or not remember um, the surgery because they're going to be under the whole time 
but that marker that is placed medically will cover uh, the entire surgery and maybe even some before. Uh, so you won't remember anything, but you, the person is actually conscious the whole time, feeling everything. But the moment that they stop the anesthesia or whatever happens, that uh, memory eraser goes in and clears the memory so that way the person doesn't remember a thing. And that, I mean, what's the difference between not being conscious or remem not remembering the conscious state? And is that a humane thing? Would that, like, as, as a future doctor, which you are very, very close to being, calling mm -hmm. yourself a doctor, mm -hmm. um, where does your brain go on a question posed like that? Hmm. I feel like there's so many waivers and so much paperwork that you sign ahead of time that you would have to agree to that or not. Is it possible that the paperwork includes that, but just nobody's ever read it? Or maybe it's in language that hides it? I mean... Is it possible that, that that's the case? Like here? Yeah, right now, currently. Like every single day. Is it possible... In the U.S. or... Around the world, everywhere. Oh, for sure. Is it possible that they're just putting people under in a paralytic state and then erasing their, their memory? I mean, if you live in a simulation that Mark thinks we live in... <laughs> Are we going down the simulation? No, I'm talking about... You're talking about erasing memories from a chip, so... No, not a chip, just from your brain. With a, a marker chip that was placed, and then they click the Medically. Chip. Like, you, you can medically... Bloop. You can medically mark something. Okay. You can do a medical marker. So, I guess, I don't, I mean, I feel like... Would that be humane, though? I guess that's the question, because the person would feel it, but then they wouldn't remember so like how, how does how does that play into humanity? Like how does that play into the humane medical side of a surgical procedure? It's such an interesting question to pose to you. I don't know. It's hard because I feel like now there's so many checks and balances from like what we do, my experience that if that was the case that it would have been discussed and multiple people would have known, and you have someone that signs the paper and someone that will check that you signed it, that you asked the person, and if they're not of age, then they ask that per the other person. Maybe all those checks are actually doing that. I mean. Could be. Could be. <laughs> there could be. So uh, how would you feel if you found out that that was the case? Like, everyone actually feels everything and they just don't remember. How would you feel? Uh, would that change your mind on how people going under for anesthesia... I guess because you can imagine like open heart surgery would be probably not because I mean, I'm not a vegetarian, so <laughs> <laughs> they feel everything. They do feel everything. So if, and we don't erase their memory. Nope. So I probably be like, yeah, if that was the culture and that was the way of medicine that we were used to, then I'd be like, yeah, that's, have you traveled to any other countries? Yes. And like it observed the the medical procedures there. Where did you go? Dominican. You went to Dominican Republic. Mm -hmm. Dr. Mm -hmm. What was it like there? Um, very humbling. Um, it was actually like one of the solidifying reasons to choose medicine. Really? So yeah. What did the, what was it like there? Was it? Um. Was it a developing environment, like a developing country environment? 
no. It would, I mean, it depends. Well, yeah, it depends, like, where you were at. So in the hospital, their procedures and everything were pretty regulatory. Um, everybody and anybody could go in and get whatever treatment they needed done. They didn't have all the equipment, but it was efficient. Hmm. And then the group that... Um, so it was pretty developed then? For that, for the hospital setting. For the hospital, yeah. Yeah, yep. And then... Um, and then where, so I was part of a group that we stayed at something called La Finca in Liberon, Liberon, I think. Um, and we went out to the countryside and we had like relations with a nurse in the area. And it was somebody that, it was more like a um, medical assistant that it was someone in each little um, village that we trained and that was like our point of contact. We gained trust with that person. They knew everybody in their village. They would take us to people's houses, have us take um, a look at anybody that was sick. And it was just us with backpacks. And really, we brought um, any medical supplies or like um, any expired medications that we were able to get a hold of or people's medications. So say like your grandma had 80 million e-scripts that were sent to her house. And so they um, would send all of that with us because they had extra ones. And then um, we also would take down medical equipment that we could get a hold of. So we brought down actually a like um, lead vest for the x-ray guy that was there really and he had been doing x-ray in this place um with so he, no protection so he's probably been was exposed he is, <laughs> he's done he's, he's done he's done unfortunately but we brought him this vest that we got a hold of from a dentist that donated it to us and we brought it to him and he cried hmm. and he so he knew he knew oh man and he was so appreciative and so thankful, and it's just like, man, he's been working there for 30 years already. So with, this was before you decided to officially go yeah, it into was medicine? when I had come back from deployment and... You were still in the military? Yep. I still am. Well, I know. But yeah, yep. So I came back from deployment and um, had some thoughts on deployment about what I was going to do when I got back and medicine was kind of towards the top and then one of my best friends on deployment actually passed away a couple of weeks after we got back and he was the one person that kind of i talked through he was actually our medic on deployment and where were you deployed to um so we went to kuwait initially the hub and then we branched out from there so we did like saudi uae jordan and then a little um a bit in iraq and then we came back so what were your responsibilities while you were there uh, lots. <laughs> More than the average person. I got really burnt out. So I went as, so I, I am an officer. I am a pilot. A, I was a Black Hawk pilot. So first and foremost, I w went as a Black Hawk pilot. Um, but I went additionally, so the Army's weird. We don't do just one job. We give you <laughs> one job and a million additional duties. It's, of course. Doesn't make any sense. Um, so they're going to get their money's worth out of you. Yeah. Trust me. They did. Um, so I went as assistant S3 and then before that they knew I had a logistical black background. 
So when I first enlisted, I did supply and logistics. Um, so I ended up being our movement officer, and I was really good at it, and I really loved it, actually. What does it mean, movement officer? So basically, you take all of your equipment. So our element that went was a battalion size element that we attached to a brigade um, when we got there. And when you are attached to a brigade, there's going to be someone that's supposed to be in charge of you as a battalion and as a company. Um, so I'm in charge of basically packing up all of our shit, doing all the spreadsheets, doing all the paperwork, working with the international lines, making sure that all of our equipment has the right levels of fuel. So we're not bringing fuel across international lines and paying taxes for that. Um, and going through all the hazardous material, taking all of that out. And if it does has hazardous, you have to know if you're going air or vessel or mm -hmm. train and make sure it's packaged correctly. Cause so you not, did all of that. I did. I was in charge of all of that. Holy shit. And I was really good at it, but it, we did very different missions than what we initially planned on. And so we did a lot of movements mm. and it got to be a very taxing and I didn't sleep much. <laughs> so... Were you uh, near, I mean, because there's, there's militarized zones. and Hey, everybody. My name, it's Kelly Carberry. <laughs> I know he didn't introduce me. <laughs> How do you spell that? Driving a car, eating some berries. Driving a car, eating some berries. But it's not really B-E-R-R-Y. No. Yeah. Kel, Kel Car Kel via Facebook. Hey, man. I do that secretly so people can't find me. <laughs> they, they won't. <laughs> uh, so were you ever involved in any uh, sorties, missions, anything that involved uh, any type of military action? Or was it, were you all medevac? Were you, what type of, what type of uh, pilot were I you? I rode the desk. You rode the desk. <laughs> How often did you fly when you were deployed? Uh, when you were deployed? Um, so, funny thing is, I actually applied to the one sixtieth, which is special special operations before deployment. And so, the, they came and did a um, like recruiting event at our battalion. We had been working with a lot of special operation groups um, because Grayling was trying to get certified at the time. So they came and they did a. Um, recruiting event with us, which, um, I don't know if it's still like this. I'm a little far removed from aviation at this point. It's been a few years. I'm still in aviation battalion, but I'm with the docks now. Um, but basically guard was not really ever welcomed into 160th because it's active duty special operations group. So, um, it was kind of new. And then also at the time, they were announcing that they were going to let females drop packets and apply. Hmm. And that hadn't been happened. That hadn't happened prior to this. So um, they came and did this recruiting event. And I was like, fuck that. I was like, I always said I want to be one of the first female Rangers. And that didn't happen because I went aviation. So I'm going to be one of the first female 160th pilots. Hmm. And I dropped a packet, and they're like, hey, we like you, but you really don't have very much time, flight time, and you don't have, like, hardly any goggle time, which is understandable. We, I hadn't deployed yet. I deployed stateside stuff, but nothing, like, overseas or anything. And I was still working and going to school, so I'm like, okay. 
So they're like, get a deployment and reapply when you get back. Well, I, my battalion knew because they have to get letters from your battalion. Um, and so they knew that that was kind of my plan. And I, I don't want to say that they kind of intentionally sabotaged that, but they kind of gave me a bunch of different additional tasks so that I wouldn't be able to. Really? And so that's why I'm in medicine. Really? Yeah. So do you think your life would have been different? Had? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Would you have stayed in like full career as I a mean, pilot? I'm still staying in, yeah, as a pilot, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Do you miss it? Do you miss flying? I, I miss flying. I really miss the camaraderie. I really miss my yeah. guys. I really, really do. Um, it's funny because you, you, you flew on the MH60J. There was, it, was that what it was? MH60 what? Uh, no, the UH-60. You flew on the UH-60. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Alpha, that, Limas, and Mikes. See, because I, 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 I flew in the MH-60s, which is like the old version. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was back in 2008 to 2012. Mm-hmm. And it was basically... It's a little different platform in the back. Very but... mild. Yeah, well, the back, yeah. yeah. The back was different. But everything else. You could have hopped in it and flew it yeah. easily. Um, but it was funny because <laughs> the way the Coast Guard gets their helicopters is... The army retires them. We buy them, paint them white and orange, and then use them for search and rescue because... Don't worry, we get ours probably from like, somewhere else. Oh, well, Sikorsky and... Then they, and, and then they give them to you. We probably get ours from, like... I, no, like, from you guys... the Air Force. Well, we buy them at 2,000 hours. Like, it's it, they're barely flown. Oh. Uh, they're, they're barely flown. We fly them from 2,000 to, like, 30,000 hours. Yeah. And uh, all for search and rescue. And, I mean, the, and then we just put whole new drivetrain platforms on them and then just keep flying mm-hmm. um it's it's absolutely hysterical we fly the we fly the wheels off those things and i say we as if i'm still in it and it's been a decade <laughs> hey man i still say we too yep it, it which is so funny um because like we have a, a strange common thread of the same flight platform mm-hmm. but entirely different applications which is i thought was so wild when which were, is one of the reasons why i wanted to do the 60 because I wanted to be super universal so you can do medevac. You can do, there's just, and again, that's a different platform. There's just so. Uh, the Blackhawk, by the way, in case we're, we're talking a lot of terms, but the Blackhawk was, is the, the typical street name for the aircraft we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was one of the first five female packets ever dropped. Ever dropped. In the 160th. Holy one of the first cow. five to ever be rejected. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of firsts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but um, I mean, I guess not solely. I had, I was given a task to complete, and it was not feasible. So. Yeah, I mean, if ultimately the way the military works is, if they want you, they'll make it happen, and if they don't, they'll make mm-hmm. it impossible. Mm-hmm. Like they can't. I mean, they have to give everyone the opportunity because mm-hmm. that's you know the equal opportunity. But if they don't want you, they're just gonna make it impossible. To be fair, some of the I know, I I don't know them personally, but I did a lot of research on the females that were accepted at that time and they were total badasses and I was just like <laughs> this little little peon that kind of submitted a packet and I mean I had completed a lot of training I'd done airborne school air assault school I had um enlisted first then went to U of M and did ROTC did you do green to gold I didn't. I ended up doing no because I wasn't active duty. I enlisted oh. in the guard. Um, oh, you were guard. Okay. Yep. I enlisted um, so I could stick around to help take care of my grandparents and. Gotcha. Then I didn't really realize that aviation is 
two years of school and just two uh, to go to flight school and I thought it was more than that even well it depends on airframe but yeah but yeah basically two. why do you land on the 60 just because well the guard is different they you can only get an aircraft that your state holds so I already knew I was dwindled down basically to Okiowa at the time um a Blackhawk or a Chinook. And is that what Ed is? Is Ed a Chinook pilot? No, he's a he's a Blackhawk. Oh, he's Blackhawk too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also have fixed wing, but you can't do fixed wing. The Army does it backwards again. You can't do fixed wing until you have a rotor. What? Yeah. It's just so. What? Yeah. That's entirely. So backwards. I got my private part private pilot license after i was already a commercial oh pilot gosh. in a, a rotor well like like rotor like like rotor wing is like you need like how many hours like 500 hours before they they give you your license and in the fixed wing it's like 40 it's like it's like a tenth of that that's and honestly i i i don't know the exact hours because the military is different it's different and yeah. i just basically provided my flight log and submitted a bunch of paperwork and took some tests to get my licensing for the you, FAA along the, I, along I the way. I'll say you could probably just hop in. You could probably hop in on an archer and be, and be and just fly it around. So I did my like people. private pilot, and it was literally like the third flight hour. He's like, "Okay, see ya," and I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> pump the brakes, guy! This is way different." And oh, and so it was funny. so different. It's just like you feel everything, and I was just like, "I don't know about this little measly." Thing. <laughs> oh, the tiny little. Oh plane. my gosh! Yeah, I, I'm getting it right now. You know that I'm doing. Yeah, that. yeah. I went up about a week and a half ago. And the, like there was gusts from like sixteen to twenty miles, and or, you, like, or 16, like, oh. sixteen to twenty knots on a tiny little airframe. I think the thing weighs like twelve hundred. Freaking getting whiplash. Like twelve hundred pounds empty. <laughs> yeah, twelve hundred pound dry weight. Yeah. Twenty five, twenty five hundred gross. Yeah. And and there was like sixteen to twenty knot gusts, crosswind, and out, and we were landing, and it was it was like we were crabbing so hard coming in. It was crazy. Super yeah. fun. Super fun. Like. Those are the types of like environments and landings that I want. Like yeah. if, if it's if it's like the winds are calm, I'm bored. I'm and like, I will say everyone says, Oh, it's way harder to learn rotor. Oh yeah. And I to be fair, I thought it was way harder to learn fixed wing. Maybe That's because, because you went I, rotor first. And true. And also I feel very secure that if I don't think I can land in that spot, I can hover and go land somewhere else. And you can't do that in a fixed wing. You no, you have you, to commit at a certain point, yep. or else you're gonna crash. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. You either in, commit in your or brain, don't commit at a at yeah. a specific point. And if you yeah, don't it's about a hundred hundred foot off the ground. Yep. Like if you're below a hundred foot. Yep. In a small plane. Right. Um, that you're you're in you're mm-hmm. in it. I mean, the, there are some things you can you can float the wake turbine or you can float the the ground effect. Um, and uh, you, you can cram in, cl- in cruise if you need to get yeah. out of it, but. Uh, pretty much below 100 foot, you're landing. Mm-hmm. Good luck, you yep. know. And landing correctly because you don't want to bounce off the ground, and you also in flip. <laughs> Done that. Yeah, and and you know, in flip or. I stalled about 12 foot off the ground on one of the landings. <laughs> I'm really thankful. My for man. It. <laughs> it was early on. 
<laughs> I mean, like those planes are designed with so much give and forgiveness. You didn't hear that. You didn't hear that, Mark? It goes just like just like that. It tells you. Tells you something's wrong. Apologize to all my listeners. It was very loud. No, it was. I mean, that's how loud it is in the aircraft, everybody. But it was. I thought I was lower. Uh huh. And so, I mean, you you know, you're supposed to flare and then stall and then touch. Well, I did that, but I was don't just, flare too too I, much. I was just flaring a little early, <laughs> and, and I go back to my first. Yeah, point. well, I mean, like I, I was hitting the I was hitting the stall speed, and it was just a little, a little high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't even I hadn't even hit ground effect, and I was I was Yikes. stalling. But I mean, I had the concept down just a little high, but but now I just butter it in. I'm buttering those biscuits right now. I almost do like three point landings, just coming in, flare a tiny bit, and then as like right when the stall horn hits all the wheels hit and it's just like butter i feel like i was doing a lot of that because we do a lot like we'll do some roll on landing landings and stuff and i i don't know i just felt like i was fucking up everything when i first learned fixed wing because i was so used to oh gosh can can we talk real quick about um auto rotate procedures and and those 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 uh engine failure well let me tell you procedures because i was in and I, i was in a 60 like three different times when they were practicing those uh-huh holy shit you want to talk about something that scares the shit out of you like i, I had an engine go out on deployment and we weren't at enough airspeed and we almost crashed into a berm holy shit so for those for those that don't know if if an engine goes out on a helicopter it's not lights out mm-hmm. because like a lot of people think like oh well if the rotor stops you're you're fucked well there's we a lot two engines there's a lot more first of all there's a redundancy but there's mm-hmm. a lot more if both engines go out you're still okay mm-hmm. because you can use the weight of the aircraft to spin the rotor as you're going down and right airspeed. Be- and then right before you hit the ground you can actually mm-hmm. collective up mm-hmm. it's called an auto rotate and it you basically generate lift from the speed you've mm-hmm. generated from the aircraft to stop the drop right, right. before impact yep. and you can actually and you can feel when that point is too and if you go too far you'll sink underneath it and smack another ground which you, is not good and then you're dead yeah <laughs> but, but uh we were practicing those mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's the scariest fucking thing i love it <laughs> holy shit let's fucking ride this baby i think if i was like in the controls it'd be a lot different it'd be yeah. fun because you feel you do that, feel that initial feel drop the and you're like, in the back yeah oh like in the back you, you just quick. got the five point harness yep. that's all you got yep. you got nothing you're just your life is in the hands you better put your feet flat on the ground bitch Ooh, <laughs> you want to talk about a shake and roll like it is scary but like, I think we did, man, it was a bunch. I think it was like seven or eight. Cause I think the, the pilot had to, like, there was, there was some updates he had to do or something like that. So we were like, Hey, let's fly a sortie. And then came back and then he's like, we got to do a bunch of, a bunch of auto rotate. And, and there are other factors that go into it, right? Oof. Altitude, airspeed. And that's why in Afghanistan, high altitude and stuff, it, it does get to be dangerous because mm. you don't have what you need to keep those rotors going. What's the altitude in, in, in Afghanistan? You should know this off the top of your head. No. I barely know an emergency procedure at this point. Okay? <laughs> it's been too long. I got you know too the altitude? much medicine going in my... Do you know the altitude in Michigan? Like in Lansing? Off the top of your head? 900. That was pretty close. I think it's like 860 at the airport. Okay. It's not bad. 860. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, when I, I do calculations, I, I think now. it just flat out did. Yeah. Just I don't fly out of Lansing. I fly out of Ionia. It's okay. 814 there. Y70. Yeah. Pretty cool. I like that place. 
What the fuck got you into aviation? Like, why did you go military? Someone told me I couldn't do aviation. Oh. And I gave him the big middle finger, baby. And then your whole life career was entirely changed. My whole life has been somebody telling me I couldn't do something. <laughs> and we're still we're still trucking along, baby. So. That's it. So you make all of your life career decisions based on what people can't tell you you can't do. Yeah. It's healthy. It's 100% healthy. <laughs> <laughs> but you weren't raised in a military family, were you? Um, so yeah, yes. Oh, My grandpa is all this stuff over on the wall here. Ooh. My grandpa was retired army. So my mom... What did he do, though? I honestly don't know exactly what he did because it was very different. He, he changed his jobs a lot. So he did some tanker stuff, and he didn't really say exactly what he did. Tanker? So, yeah. So mm. I know he was POW in Korea. and He was in the Korean War. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So I didn't really talk much. I know some stories that I was only told... That I've only been told. A lot of people don't know about the Korean War because people talk about the Vietnam War mm-hmm. and they talk about the Desert and they War. They don't realize and, like, how the many Cold POWs War. there were, how terrible it the was. The Korean War was mm-hmm. vicious mm-hmm. for those mm-hmm. that were involved. Mm-hmm. And it kind of gets glossed over. Oh, it definitely. It 100%. really does. Yeah. Like the Korean War was ter- for those Whenever that I were involved. Whenever I see the guys with their old, with their, everyone who says like, oh, I'm army retired, Korean yeah. War. Whenever I see that, I'm like, I see you. Yeah, like that's. I see you. If you if you haven't done your your history on on U.S. wars, go back and read about the Korean War. It's insane. So he so he was wait, he was a POW. Mm-hmm. Wow, mm-hmm. that's I, how do you come back from that? Mm. I don't know. He was it um, a crash landing or something like that? I don't I don't know that part. I don't think so. I think that they were doing a mission. Is he and, still alive? No, he passed away my second year of med school. Mm, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. It was pretty horrible. It was um, a couple months before my wedding, and he was supposed to walk me down oh. the aisle. So Man. It, was, it was a hard time. But um, so my grandpa was retired Army, and um, I basically, when I was younger, was raised by my grandparents because my mom was a single mom working. And I, whenever I was in trouble, he'd take me out to the yard and march me around and do cadence. And <laughs> so it, this has been in little, your blood. Little drill sergeant since I was three years old. I've been marching to, to cadence. And, oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so um, he instilled a lot of discipline for sure when I was young. Um, and then my uncle did Peace Corps, and but now he is actually Army, and he was... One of the oldest, um, he is a neuropsychologist, uh, um, so he has his PhD, and he's one of the oldest neuropsychologists to join. He had to get a shit ton of waivers. The Pentagon was blown up so that he could join. Um, he had a lot of, of um, reasons that he wanted to join and um, wasn't even sure it was going to be possible because of the whole Peace Corps situation. Really? And so, and I don't know if this is still true, but you couldn't, when I looked at doing Peace Corps, um, when I was looking at getting out or medicine, you couldn't do Peace Corps if you had previously done a military branch. So. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Because if something happens when you are 
doing a peace mission and someone finds out, then something might happen to you. Oh, see, I almost joined the Peace Corps. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I did I, too. I almost, I did not know that. Yeah. I was thinking about. I wanted to go down to Peru. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanted to do Africa. He actually did um, Zimbabwe. It was like Peru or Jamaica. They had some really good um, environmental programs down there. And yeah. I, I almost did it like two or three different times. It may be different. And <laughs> Don't mind me. It's, it's fine, guys. It's <laughs> fine. Um, but so, yeah, I guess, I, I mean, there is some in my family. And then, you know, my great uncle's did who knows some of them were navy some of them it just depended so then you you didn't make the 160th nope and you went medical mm-hmm. how how long was it till you decided i want to i want to become a doctor because th- th- i don't know if you know this but the so a- i wasn't five years old okay like so, everybody else <laughs> okay so the average person <laughs> doesn't become a uh 60 helicopter pilot and then go to med school to become a physician this is not the the standard trajectory because i couldn't do special operations so like this is not what normal people do normal people get like a single job and then just remain unhappy the rest of their life (laughs) complaining they didn't do anything i'm already thinking about my next career i was thinking construction maybe probably well actually i i need to tell you what my next idea is because obviously i have another idea i can't just do one thing um what uh like you're you're a year out from graduating right yeah yes a year out from graduating Mm -hmm. med school here at michigan state Mm -hmm. um any idea what specialty you want to go into i do but i don't want to say that right now. how about you say it and i'll cut it out because i want to know (gasps) i'm gonna bleep it out and then everyone's gonna get so jealous (laughs) really yes that's like, and I wish I could say the reasons why, but it'll give it away. And it's a lot to do with. I felt don't I, they have like the primo job of all the doctors? So, there are a lot of military in it. Ironically, so I felt like when I did those rotations, they were my people. And it is hard to find that in the civilian world, which you know, um, military people are just different. We will really? do. We will just drop and do anything for anybody, and and just dif- it's just different mentality, and going to training with somebody and seeing them at training ten years down the road, road you're still best friends, and hmm. it's just very different. Um, hmm. And they know to have an on switch and an off switch. They know when shit hits the fan, shit hits the fan. But if shit's not hitting the fan, don't act like it's fucking hitting the fan, man. So it's interesting you say that the on switch and off switch. Um, I definitely have that, but sometimes there are um, the on switch hits and I don't have control over it. Yeah. Uh, I So I did obviously search and rescue in the Coast Guard and I was the hoist operator um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the MH60 for a while. The The ducks would jump in, the swimmers would jump into the water and they'd swim. And Yeah, that would be a fuck no and, for me. Uh, the, my, my job was I, I was leaning out. Right. Leaning out the door, I was talking to the pilots, like easy ride, easy back, you know, telling them where to go um, uh, in relative perspective to the swimmer. But I also have to determine like drift and I have to determine current and like if they're in the actual water mm-hmm. or if they're in the boat. So I'm like determining all of these things. We have a, a hoist that's, you know, 60, 80 feet, uh, you know, like the, the hook 60, 80 feet beneath us. 
all of these different things are playing into factor hyper focus so it is hyper focus you know i i have the headphones on i'm talking to the pilot i'm giving arm signals down they hook up i'm i'm hoisting up talking to the pilot sometimes there's a swing and there's a rotation there's all these things going on mm -hmm. and it's this it's like um overload sensory input mm -hmm. but your ability to tune out everything that's not needed and focus on your job at hand because right. somebody's people life don't know how to do that. is needed. I mean, because, but, and then I did that over and over and over mm -hmm. for years and years. So then you fast forward and a friend invites me to a concert. It's and, different. And I go into this, this big arena. So now, like, I, if I go to a, a concert, if I go to, like, a big arena and it's dark and there's, like, that smoke in the air and there's lights going and it's loud and somebody starts to, I, I like, I go back to that mm -hmm. and I, I start to get that. Like, it's almost weird. Cause it's like a social anxiety. If I can't communicate, if I can't hear what's going on, I literally start to go back to that, that frame of mind and I can't enjoy the music. I can't enjoy conversation. I'm just like, yeah, I gotta go. Yeah. But that's different because in the situation that you were talking about with military is you have control of that situation. Kind of. You do. You're operating and you're telling when you're telling the pilot what to do to go up, to go down, to move forward, to all that shit. Yep. You're in charge of that situation. When you go to a concert, you're not in charge of, in, of anything. Nothing. I have no control. So that's why it's different. Yeah. So because you're in eight I, or whatever. <laughs> on the Enneagram. <laughs> um, I mean, it's funny because I don't mind the no control, but it's like I can't control like no. like the mind flipping to that. For to that sure. state. It's just that like you don't have any sense of I can't where even, to channel that energy. No, I guess like, that's I can't the best even, way. I can't even enjoy the music. Yeah, yeah. So if it's a real small venue, I love those because yeah. it's great. I'm the same way. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like I went and saw with Terrence, a buddy of mine, I went and saw a Muscadine Bloodline, which is like a little country band. I saw him at, uh, in Grand Rapids at a small venue. I can't remember the name of the venue. Um, it was a real small venue and I loved it. It was like, there was maybe 250 people. It was so great. Um, like we were just drinking beers out of cups and we were maybe 30 feet away from them. It was spectacular. But had that been at Van, Van Andel Arena? No. I, I wouldn't have been able I to. I went and saw it. Halsey and I'm so. <sighs> dude, Halsey. it was the shit. It was love Halsey. The bomb. Oh, I love her. It's the second or third time I've seen her. And um, thank God we were up um, on the hill in out of the like um underneath by the stage and stuff so we we're like out in the outskirts up on the hill sitting on blankets and stuff because it was more open and i felt better and i enjoyed the concert i think had i been under the shelter and closer to the stage or is like more packed in i think it would have been a little oh i would have been done yeah because it, it was it was hard at um, Lady Gaga, that was pretty packed. A pass. And but I mean, it was worth it. She was so good. I heard for a while Sarah Bareilles, which is one of my favorites. I love her too. Um, I for a while she was doing like off Twitter. She would like if she was coming to like let's say Lansing, she would tweet and say, "Hey, Blue Owl Coffee tonight. First forty people get in doing a private show. Oh, that's cool. Like thirty minutes before, and people would just show up. 
That's cool. And like all of my heart and soul wished she would come to Michigan. She never did. Yeah. Or if she did, she didn't do that. I can't imagine her throwing a crazy rager anyway, so. <laughs> no, it was always like she had her guitar and a little piano. She's like my study and music. She, <laughs> yep, and, and she did, she would always do like really small coffee shop shows locally for just people that were following her on Twitter. And it's just like that. That's one of, like one of the deep. I listened to why her. I her. God, I love her. On so deployment much. and um, Ellie Golding a lot. Ellie Golding, I like Ellie. Golding. Yeah, when I was having a hard time, those two were actually my my goal too. Did, did you have a hard time in deployment? Yes, but for different reasons than people assume. I I think so. Um, do we want to talk about that? Were we were we why in the middle you, of another question? Why, why was it hard for you? Okay. Are we? Let's dive into a little therapy. Let's do some oh. th- therapy well, Mark, with Mark Explains. Let me tell you about my life. Um. So. Why was this hard? I mean, because like I think of deployment because you, you said you did Kuwait, UAE, Jordan, um, Jordan, uh, Jordan. Did you go to Petra? No, I flew over it, and it was the shit. You flew over Petra. Yeah, it was beautiful. Oh my. god. God, I didn't even realize you were allowed to do that. Yeah, so I had a choice to do that trip or go to the Dead Sea, and which were the only, like, that was the only trip vacation thing I got to do on deployment, which all enlisted got to go do stuff. If we were down, we were like, oh, go take a flight and go to UAE because you can drink in UAE or... And we're sitting there, I'm sitting there working freaking seven days a week, 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. Jesus. Um, But I... um, which kind of changed towards the end of the deployment because I got really, really, really burnt out. Um, and and actually at the end of the deployment, deployment uh, one of my really good friends stood up and was like, I just want everyone to know that Lieutenant Carberry is the only person that can claim PTSD after this deployment. And I was like, oh, thank God somebody recognizes all this freaking work and shit I was doing. Um, but I ended up going to the Dead Sea because in seventh grade, uh, Mrs. Sutherland, shout out. I know you'll never hear this, but we Wait were... Wait a second, Mrs. Sutherland. I had a Mrs. Sutherland. Keep yeah. going. Keep so um, I remember learning world history and the. I remember the Dead Sea specifically. And I feel like I was... I correlated it to something I was learning in CCD, I think. I don't know. And I just remember these pictures of like people basically standing on water and floating on water, right? And I was mm-hmm. like, I want to go there. And so like... I really wanted to go to Petra, but I was like, literally in seventh grade, I made this pact with myself that I will travel to the Dead Sea at one point in my life. And you were super close. So I ended up doing the Dead Sea trip, and it was cool. Oh, you did the Dead Sea trip. Mm-hmm. I did. Did, did you it. get to float? I did. It really? was fucking terrifying. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's it's terrifying. Did you try to dive? Did you try to go no, down? No, but you're not supposed to go on your stomach and put your face in or whatever, and no. I did, and that was fucking terrifying, and it was a bad idea. Well, you're okay. I mean, they say don't do that because a lot of people like to open their eyes. No, because it's hard. The buoyancy is so hard to flip around. Yeah, well, you'll die. So they say don't go, don't float on your Well, it's it's hard for somebody that like sits at a desk all day, every yeah, day. Yeah, exactly, but riding you're, that desk. Like you're, a, <laughs> like you're a capable human in the military. I mean, I was running. Pretty certain you'd be, able, you'd be able to do that. Um, but also the salinity level is so high. Yeah. Everything burned. You'll, you'll know real quick if you have a cut or yeah. like if you just shaved your legs. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I definitely had that issue. G luck. Like a real big dummy. <laughs> Cause if you, I mean, if you shave like, your like, Oh my God, I'm going in a swimsuit. I've been wearing this uniform for a year. Let me shave real quick. 
Because well, I, let me tell you, my whole legs were like fucking red bumps everywhere. Oh after gosh! That. It was just well, like, I, mean, I know if you go like to the to the ocean and do that, it burns too. Yeah. I can imagine the Dead Sea. And it was cool. It was really cool. It was, but I don't have many fears in my life, and I didn't want to go down this road. And I know we've talked about this before. Wait, do you have? Uh, is yes. it? Is it called thalassophobia? Yes. So we talked really? about this before. I don't know why. I don't know why. Deep, I mean, I do have some reasons why, but deep water. I just and nothing fucking lives in this water. Okay. But, no zero things. But I was still fucking terrified. Terrified something was going to just eat me alive. I think there's like I was like there's going to be some evolutionary fucking alligator in this salt water <laughs> and it's going to come up and just chomp me to fucking pieces. I think there are extremophiles that yeah, live there like, auto, I, like I, I think they're called autochemotrophs that live there like in the deep. Um, but I don't think that... I don't that... even know if it... I have read up on, the, on it before yeah, I went and visited, ex- but... Um... Where there's water, there's life, but it's not going right. to be anything that's going to be macro. Right. It's all going to be 100%. on the bacterial level. 100%. That's really wild, But I was though. for certain that something had already evolutionized into something that was just going <laughs> to fucking straight eat me. It's just, okay. And it wasn't going to see anything else okay, in the so water? Okay, so I'm going to open this up right now. I'm, I'm going to give you a... Uh... Please don't show me any fucking deep sea no, photos. I think it's called... Daisy, um, are you pacing? This. So there's a place in Texas, and it's called Jacob's Well. And what it is is a natural swimming hole in the middle of, like, a lagoon. And people go and collect. The question is, <gasps> is would you swim and would you dive down that? If you're If you're listening right now, Google Jacob's Well in Texas. So I'm going to tell you something. I would do it. Yeah? Because it I, just goes down. I would need a couple shots. <laughs> you do some DMT. I'm telling you, I've done, dude, I've done some crazy shit in the water, and I don't know how. You just do it. And I just do it. I, I will do, I will do pretty much anything, but I will be fearful the entire fucking time. You'll act in the fear? I will be on high alert the entire time. If you fucking even come up and tap on me, I'm fucking straight out of the water. <laughs> you'll see me shoot. You'll see me swim so fast, little mermaid, shoot straight out of the water right onto the shore, <laughs> 10 feet in the air, and fly like a little bird to shore. It. Yeah, see, that's that's terrifying to me. I don't even have... I would do it. I don't even have thalassophobia, but that, that idea of just like a hole in, in the ground that's filled with water that you can't see the bottom... That's there's something unnerving about that. I I couldn't do that. I, mean, I would like, do that before. I would, swim I would over do that the top before those it. caves. Oh, the caves scare me. So you people, know people the, die in caves. But those caves that you jump in with the water. What do you mean? I've done that, but I I would rather do that than the you know like in Mexico when you go. Oh yeah yeah yeah. And yeah. you don't fucking know what you're just like oh let's go underwater oh or underground and it's like this cave oh it's so beautiful it's dripping and there's the water let's swim and you're like fuck I don't know what's in that water. There are these holes, in amidst the caves that you're talking about. Yeah. Where you just disappear into the hole mm-hmm. and drop into the cave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna have to pass on that dog. Yeah, I'll do it. That's a no for me. Again, I'll, I'll fucking do it. There's there's a few things that I won't do in life. That's probably one of them. I would like, say I'll there's the, things I won't do, and then I end up doing them because I'm like, fucking I'll, crazy. Like, I'll do the squirrel suit. You ever seen those? Oh, I 100% would do the fucking squirrel suit. Yeah. That's not even, like, a question well, mark. Well, the, the thing is, like, if you look at 
the percentage of people that die. Oh, 100%. Squirt, it's, it's like, I told Eric I want to do it before we got like married. A, it's like no joke. It's like a 50-50 shot. Yeah, he was not it's happy. Like, it's like a one in two that you I told him die. I wanted to train and do that. That's See, that'd be really cool. 100%. And he was like, uh, no. Like the people that make those suits, they know like pretty much people are I'm not good with physics though. So like I feel like for me to trust myself doing that, I would really want to know aerodynamics better. And I know aerodynamics. You but know airfoils just fine. I just, I don't know. I don't know. Not in caves or they go down like valleys and it changes so much. You don't have to do that. Well, yeah, there's a lot of thermals and mm-hmm, stuff you have to exactly. know. Exactly. Would that, you feel that in they an ride, aircraft? They ride the ground effect the yeah, whole time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy Exactly. Shit. It's fucking cool. It's smart. Between it's five, really and, smart. five it's and ten cool. foot off the ground. I remember in airborne school, I was like the tiniest person there. And so they put the smallest person out the door first. And because we'll land last usually. So hopefully it's about the time that everyone else is landing. And I just remember my last jump before our first night jump. And I go out the door and it's just hot as fuck. And all these thermals are just carrying me. And I'm like, okay, there's the edge of the DZ. Yep, okay. Carrying me, I'm like, do 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 do. Oh, there goes someone else just landed. I'm just still fucking floating away, <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, now we're here's the DZ, which I haven't really landed on the DZ yet, which is nice because it's powdery. Your uh, your parachute is, is the same size, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And <laughs> and it's all the like shitty parachutes. That's really funny. And then I'm like riding along, I'm like, oh fuck, we're kind of coming to the other end of the DZ. Sure, shit. All the thermals had carried me all the way past um, the drop zone, and so DZ's drop zone, and all the way to the edge, and I landed in fucking trees and haul my ass all the way back. Are you serious? I landed. Do, yes. you, do you have to abandon the parachute? No, I. So I landed like right on the edge where it was like high brush and just the edge of the trees, and so I just hit some shit. I got really lucky, to be honest. Yeah. So because the thermals drop because you're not over that drop zone anymore, yeah. so then I just kind of. Gosh, that's hysterical. Yeah, it hurt a little bit, but yeah, I was like, "Well, this is fucking fun, everybody." Yep. Hi. Hi. Yep. Have fun. I'll see you up front. Oh, hey, John. Yep, I'll meet you up there. Okay, <laughs> you guy, can you just wait for me? Something might happen. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. So. Oh man. So what? So where do you want to live? Like, where do you want to go? If you, if you got your first choice out of med school, where do you want to go? Here. Really. Lansing? I don't want to move. Well, for residency, right? Yeah, for residency. Um, my do you th- do you first think, choice is McLaren. Do, do you do you think you'll get it? Like knowing your specialty. Mm, I feel comfortable. Where where would be number two? Would it be like? LA? Number two LA. would be no, all Michigan. San Diego. No. So after all of that, I. I don't plan on moving out of Michigan for at least 10 years. I want to ride really? out because of military wise. I'm very comfortable with my unit here. I have a house here. I have a husband to consider. I have. I love easy. <laughs> love you, dude. Yeah. I know you're listening. So there's more to the puzzle. Now, if it was just me, I'd be the, I'd probably be far gone, but my grandma is still around. I still want to be here for her. Um, so there's, more to it than just me so Mm. um but yeah i my first choice is mclaren um which also i probably shouldn't say that out yet my first choice is in michigan we'll just edit the rest out you want me to edit that out i will so my first choice is in michigan (laughs) 
Um, and your second choice is in Michigan. My second choice is in Michigan. And your third choice is probably in Michigan. Yeah. Yep. How do you feel if like there's an opportunity up in Houghton? My aunt is a professor up there. So, really? Yeah. She's at Michigan Tech. Such a cool place. Unique. Like if Fuck you ever that. If you ever go up to like the Houghton area, Marquette area, it is not Michigan. Like you are in a foreign land. It's pretty. Oh, it's gorgeous. Well, the same as like, have you ever been out, up to like Glen Arbor? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. It, that is not Michigan. You're, yeah. you're in you're in Europe. Yeah. All, all of a sudden, you have entered Europe, and you are in a foreign land. It I feel is like Michigan wild. is very unique because anywhere you go is very different. Oh my gosh! If and you, our summers anywhere are beautiful, but they're oh, all so different. Oh my gosh! It's so you have different. like Hartwick Pines, but they're different than if you go over to Sleeping Bear Dunes. Oh gosh! Then if you, you know what I'm Traverse, saying? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's all beautiful, but it's all so different. Yeah, like even TC. You go you go up to Traverse yeah. City. It's amazing, but then you go north of there, right? Like to Fishtown. Leland all like you you want to talk like a unique experience that is nothing like TC yeah like y'all come to Michigan for a summer and realize everyone's like I want to move here be like well you want to move here for for the two and a half months (laughs) that it's absolutely amazing this year I counted because I was so angry Uh, we had seven months of temperatures below 40 degrees seven months yeah you hear that Eric mommy doesn't like it below 70 yeah seven months (laughs) Seven months below forty degrees. That I, I consider below forty winter. That's just for me. Should I? That's I consider cool. below sixty winter. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I like so. A I don't geriatric know. that needs to also, be in Florida. Also, so we had like a record hot June, and now we're having a record cool July. Like we've had multiple mornings waking up in the fifties. I did like notice 58, that fifty nine degrees yeah. here in July, which is unheard of. In yeah. Michigan. But I mean, it gets up to like 85, which is. Which we had beautiful. that first tornado watch recently, which usually doesn't happen until a little bit later. We did? Yeah, we just had one like five days ago. Uh, I didn't even know. Yeah, which I don't t- tells I don't you that attention. that temperature yep. changes I didn't, very I'm, different. I'm not even paying attention to that. Uh, well. I don't even know until it's like too late for me. It's fine. I don't live by one of those sirens. Oh. I don't live by one of those siren alarm thingy dingies. Sorry, I was hearing the dog. So I don't, I don't I, I'm not aware. Oh. Oh. The dog. Do we have a dog down? I mean, she's 15, man. We got to watch her. Daisy's my fave. Yeah, she She's is. such a sweet girl. She's doing. Daisy, do. She can't, her... she can't hear me. No, she is kind of, she's, she's kind of, we think she has dementia. So. Well, I have dementia this week, so it's funny. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I just can't make any decisions. So, so I'm done with boards. So when was the last time you went to church? The last time I went to church, hmm. Um. And what type of church was it? Non-denominational. Non-dom, baby. Yeah. That's a denomination, though. You realize that, right? Yeah, that's. It's so funny. That's fine. So. I mean, so, it's not Catholic, so I'm okay with it. It's so funny because. <laughs> oh, sorry, uh, Grandma, and Mom. I didn't say it. I do my rosary every night. And, um, you know, I, I definitely say grace every dinner. Um, when was your last confession? Fucking when I had to do CCD and they told me to do a confession. What's CCD for those that don't know? I don't even know what it stands for, to be honest. But you go through it to basically get confirmed and be a Catholic. Um, I don't know what it stands for. You'd have to look it up. Um, I fucked off the entire time. I looked at all these saints, picked a middle name for my Catholic middle name, 
And I was like, oh, that's a long one. Nobody will remember that. It's some bullshit name. I don't know what this this uh, saint did, blah, blah, blah. What is it? Maria Goretti. And I was like, oh, and it's like so far from a white name. Fuck you, Langsburg. I'm picking this name. <laughs> How old are you? Oh, I think like ninth grade or something. Really? That late? That late in life? I guess yeah. 13, 14 years old. Yeah. Oh, I was very naughty. So oh, yeah. everyone was, is. I was a very. It's okay because every time I got suspended, my grandpa just picked me up and we went camping for the week. Oh my gosh. <laughs> He's like, oh, happened again, sweetheart. It's <laughs> <laughs> all right, grandpa. Sure, fuck did. Um, I, but I probably went to church six months ago. It's funny because the word denomination, uh, so to nominate someone means to name them. So to denominate means to dename them so it's actually a really beautiful idea like denomination of a church means to to dename it it's actually a really beautiful concept within church like you're removing the name in order to preserve the sanctity of whatever theist you are Mm -hmm. worshiping but non-denominational is a double negative (laughs) Mm -hmm. so to denominate is to dename so non-denom is non-denaming so you're, <laughs> it's, but it's, is that really what the dictionary says, Mark? Yeah, that's 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 what to nominate someone is to name. I mean, them. we're, to put, we're so, taking apart so the to terms. To dename, to denominate was to to remove the naming of it, uh, and then so like you're like, what denomination are you? What denaming are you? The whole term within itself is a subterm. It doesn't even make sense. And here's where we go down the road of Mark's news, Phil. <laughs> Please continue, Mark. I like I like to know the things like no one really understands. I like to know all the things that no one else knows. Well, no, I like and to know the things like that we're talking bring about. Bring it up. <laughs> I, li- I like to talk about these things because we use these terms and we no, know. No, for we, sure. We don't know what they mean. Um, so it's it's funny like non-denominational is a denomination within itself because it's all kind of come full circle. When was the last time you went? About six months ago. Yeah. Do you go yeah. to, uh, what's it called? Riverview? River's Edge. River's Edge. Riverview, Riverview, Riverview is here, but River's Edge is behind the old Are Art they Man. associated? No. No. Riverview is, they have one in Holt. That's their main one. And then they have like, Every time churches. I say River's Edge, though, they, people are like, oh, no, that's real. I'm like, no, that's Riverview. But yeah, that's right. River's Edge, huh? Yeah, it's actually, so the reason I I really do like it there, and honestly, um, Patsy, she's the pastor's wife, she will personally reach out to me and just check in on me and just ask me how school's going, and that's it. And doesn't make me feel guilty for not coming or asking me if she needs me to pray f- for for me if she if I need her to pray for me or she just is a normal person and there I felt very normal there one of my best friends growing up her name is also Kelly um she so I'm gonna give some dirt on her which some people in the church may know or may not know and I don't even know if they listen to this but um <laughs> Her and I grew up together out in Langsburg. She lived across the street from me. We were like best friends growing up. Um, and then she moved out to Lansing in high school. Um, we still stayed really close. She was part of Grove out there, which I don't know really what that is. But I went to like Awanas with her when I was younger. I oh my gosh, yeah. I remember it being fun, but I didn't really understand all of the religious 
part of it. I just liked all the hanging out with kids and playing. No one really remembers the religious <laughs> I stuff. I was just like, oh, okay, we're praying now. My bad. I guess I'll shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what it means. Let us pray. Okay. Got it, guys. Thanks. Thanks. So, um. Well, so it's funny. I have, I have a couple of friends. I, I mean, everyone who listens to this knows my, a little bit of my history, at least, and at the church that I go to, and I haven't been there in like a month and a half. I need to go back. But there's a handful of people that I really love. One of them is Ben Charteau. He came on and actually we, we chatted. It was so interesting being able to pick his brain. We didn't even get into the good stuff. I wanted to get into like conspiracies and stuff like that that he holds uh, because we probably hold very different vantage points. And it's always fun to talk to people that hold different vantage points. I always make it a point to put myself around people that hold different viewpoints than I do because it'll expand my mind. Um, I always want to uh, feel the full variety of the humanity that's around me. Like, I know that my viewpoint isn't right. It's mine. And so when I put myself around other people, it's great. So, like, Ben, I love Ben. He's one of the great, he's like one of my great Christian church friends. And then the other two friends I have really is going to be like Blake and Mm -hmm. Alex and Blake and Alex, like they're the worship leaders there. And there's something about the music Mm -hmm, that gets me. I agree. That's, that's me too. Really can't stay for the sermon. Really just can't. There's too many times where I feel like the pastor just doesn't stay in his lane. But Mm. you know, with that said, like, uh, Alex just went recently. She went to Thailand to, they're working something called the champion project. I could not tell you what it is. Alex, I love you. I know you're listening. I love you. Uh, I don't know what they do. It's something over in Thailand. Um, and there's even parts of it that I don't even believe in, but I don't care because I love who they are. And so I, I've like supported them like mm-hmm. financially and they've given updates and stuff like that. And I haven't watched and I probably won't. And it's not because I don't love them. It's just because like there's so much of what they do that I don't resonate with. Mm-hmm. But I don't care. Mm-hmm. That doesn't matter to me. That stuff doesn't matter. Like yeah. I'll support what they do because they believe in it. Yeah. And I love them. And they're doing good. They're doing good on this planet. So that's what you su- you're supporting. I'm yes. Like there are Christians that aren't doing good. Mm-hmm. And exactly. fuck them. Yeah. Like like so straight up. So back to this church. So Kelly, fast forward, we stayed friends, really close friends. Um and, um, so I just left a ring, <laughs> Mark, what the fuck on a board is it, that? I think it's actually fabric. It's a so, play mat so to it, protect the fucking board games, bro. And I think I should and dry. use it as a coaster. I should, it should dry. <laughs> it should dry. It's, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. It's, <laughs> so for those of you who don't know. Kelly and Eric own how many how many board games? Three hundred and something. Like yeah, three fifty. Three fifty. This is where we come for board game night. Occasionally, it. although yeah. Kelly's been too busy for me lately. Uh, um, I'm uh, doing important things like playing the residencies. But you're not allowed to place your drink on the table that is from 1974 and came it's from a dumpster. It's not about the table. It came Mark. from a dumpster. You're I not have allowed to put posters that say "Please don't fuck up the table." But again, it's the, not the about table, the table. The table came from a fucking dumpster, but you're not allowed <laughs> to put a whatever. I'm over it. It's I'm over it. It's because of the board games. They're spincy, Mark. Okay, we count. I also forgot one time. I accidentally. It was during Camel Run. 
It's called Camel Up, which Mark thinks he's a fucking Camel Up fucking king over here. No, I'm the Camel Daddy because I've won more than anybody else. (laughs) And I got him a Camel Saddle for the next time we play, too. Yep, an actual Camel Saddle. Um, Straight from the motherland. With that said, I accidentally brushed one of the paper... Palm he trees that slam hand his juicy fist, <laughs> and it's like these little paper the palm trees palm tree. that come out from the game and ripped it. Whoops! I didn't rip it. I just I just creased it. It was a whoopsie doozy, <laughs> and that's all it was. Ruined my fucking I just game, people. Bent it back up. Everything is fine. Guess what? The game still works. We can still play. I can't. It. I can't. Like Kelly almost <laughs> lost it. Like our friendship was compromised for a minute. Oh, he had some splaining to do. <laughs> and I was like, I'll buy a new one. You can't find this. Which is funny because now it's reprinted and it's everywhere. But anyways. So I'm gonna go buy a what, what's it called Camel Up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna go buy a Camel Up and bring it the next no, time. No, it's fine. It's it's fine. It's God, fine. God, it's God fine, forbid Mark. I put my drink on the dumpster table. <laughs> It's not about the table. I'm pretty sure it's about the table. <laughs> pretty sure it's about your lack of control. Oh, oh speaking oh. of, don't oh, even, don't even hey, go down that. Hey, hey oh. Full circle. Um, oh, so man. can we go back to my the question? Can I answer the question? Usually I'm the are, one that... Are we talking about religion now? We, so I'm just going to answer this one question go. about why I like this place because I think people should go if they're interested really, in seeking. You think people should go to church? That's I, actually a really good question. Do you think people need church? No, I don't think people need church. I think people, if they want to go to church, then go to church. If they don't want to go to church, don't fucking go to church. I don't go to church because what of does the, church the religious do? aspect. aspect. <laughs> so you go for the financial aspect of church? Um, which is funny because, so there's a couple reasons why I like this church. So this church, Kelly ended up getting pregnant before she was married. She was terrified. She was a worship leader in this church. She ended up moving in with me. Not you, Kelly. Anybody. Somebody else, Kelly. You're no. not talking in no. person. Yeah, no. Okay. My friend, Kelly. Your friend, Kelly. Moved in with me um, until she was ready to tell her family and the, her church because she was a worship leader there and she was terrified. And the only thing they did was welcome her with open arms and apologize to her that they made her feel like she had to hide herself. Mm. And that, to me was the number one stepping point of me going into that place. Mm. And I thought what that What do you was... think the role of the church is in humanity in, in America? What's the role that it should be? What the ro- Well, it depends on what church you go to. Well, as a whole. What, what do you think, what do you think sh- church should be in the daily lives of the humans here? What I think it should be is just people getting together and reaching out to those in need and working together to make things a better place. We do that. We don't need church yeah, to but do that. I know that, but to <laughs> you don't, but it's a good place for an organized group of people to have the same goal. You and I do that, but we're two people. Do, do, a church can organize. Do churches do that? Ours does. Hmm. And that is one. So I went to this church. Okay. So I went to, and I will say, I have been in really horrible situations. Survival school was the fucking worst. There was a couple things on deployment that were questionable. And I had a really hard time in the middle of deployment. And I did pray. And I went to church and I prayed. And I don't know that it was a prayer to somebody. I think it was a prayer for me to get out my thoughts. It was more of a therapy. Um, but There's a lot of science behind that. That, and, that prayer changes within... Yeah, and I agree. It was me. It wasn't holding it in. It was me letting it out. Right. Sure. It wasn't that I was praying to somebody. Maybe I don't know. I I don't know what there is. 
Um, but it was for me to get it out and to like have it on the table and to work through that. Okay. But this one thing that I prayed about that I just did not like about growing up as a Catholic, um, I felt like I never knew where the money went and I like they're minuscule things, but I thought that there needed to be more done with the money in the community or a supporting um, people in the church that needed help or families that needed help or in the community, right? I didn't understand where the money went. And I also, um, there was something else that was, oh, and I didn't like how judgmental our scripture was that we preached and blah, blah, blah. Okay, so the first time I went to this church, mind you, this is something that I had prayed about because I wanted somewhere to do community service and reach out. First service I went to, literally within the first five minutes of being there, they threw up a spreadsheet of where all of their money went. It was their um, ledger, basically, and it showed where our donations went and how it was divided up, and there was actual, like, visual changes of what they were showing. So... This amount of the money is going to the church. We're building the parking lot bigger because our um, family's growing bigger, right? And sure shit, that summer, their parking lot expanded. We're donating this amount of um, to single mothers in our community, and here's a video of the people that we've reached. So for me, that was like the number one thing because, you know, there's so much negative with money in Catholic priests there's and, a lot of negative with money and everything in, in general and, and even that guy that was out at um st john's in in east lansing the the father out there that like embezzled all that money and was in prison and blah 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 blah. anyways happens everywhere yeah it happens everywhere but for me to have like this is something that i actually like put out in the universe and i was like if there was a a chance for me to ever go back to church these are the like two things like we need to stop saying that people that um have same-sex marriages or love the same sex are wrong and we need to show where this donation money that we're going to because i'm donating to make shit better and to work together to make things better and within the first five minutes like i said showing us where the money is going that day they preached about um like gay relationships and same-sex marriages and how the Bible doesn't tell us that it's wrong and that we are not here to judge and we are not the one that determines if you go to heaven or hell. So why are we saying that gay marriage is wrong? Hmm. And it was just very surreal and very strange that that happened. So, um, almost divine. Yeah. So that's, uh, Jesus, is that you? Are you knocking at my door? I will answer. <laughs> so, um, and then, I don't know, I just felt, I walked in there, everybody said hi to me, people asked me if I wanted to be a part of a group that works downtown with the homeless, which I do work with those that are experiencing homelessness um, already with school, and I thought it was a great bridge to gap, so they see me <clears throat> on the streets, and then if I'm going in and helping them with dinner, they recognize that face twofold. Um, so, yeah, I felt welcome like i said mm. patsy will reach out to me every now and then and just check in on me see how i'm doing but no guilt of well when was your last confessional dear <laughs> i don't fucking know when was yours <laughs> like <laughs> i like you know so yeah so i have a couple of questions and we'll end here um 
What do you want to be, what do you want to be remembered for? What do I want to be remembered for? Yeah. Let's say they were going to write about you in some book somewhere or they were to think back, let's say a couple generations beyond you. What do you want to, what do you want to be remembered for? Mm. I would say probably selflessness and um, resilience and um, the whole reason I'm going, I mean, I'm 35 going back to med school. I already had a career. I was teaching at U of M and flying aircraft in the military, you know, and I quit that to go back to school, which has been a fucking nightmare. But um, I did that because of the care that I saw my grandfather getting and I wanted to be that change. I can't bitch about it and not be a part of that change. So I think uh, selflessness because let me tell you, this has not been easy. And I really hope someone wants me for residency because I'm not super competitive with boards and and everything, but I'm also not the average person applying. So, And mm. then resiliency, I mean, oh, my God, we didn't even get into all the things that I've had to pick myself up from. So that's for another day. But, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot in there. Yeah. Well, there's a lot to unpack. Yeah. Uh-huh. What would you, how, how do you think your friends would describe you as a person? I don't know, Mark. How would you describe me? You can't ask me. <laughs> how would my friends describe okay, me? Okay, let's change the question. <laughs> if somebody were to ask me about you, how would I describe you? I feel like that's a very different question because you're so kind and you love everybody. You think I love everybody? I think you love everybody. It doesn't mean you like everybody. <laughs> that's very kind of you. Thank you. <laughs> um... I think that you would say that I was fun, inviting, um, that I have open arms to everyone, and that I am a, hopefully you would say I'm a humble person to be around, even though that's something I work on all day, every day. Um, But yeah, I don't know would hope you'd say something nice <laughs> you're one of my favorite humans of course i would <laughs> he doesn't even know how we met <laughs> i want to tell a quick story <laughs> so story time at the beginning of 2021 i decided to buy a house randomly and if you know me as a person buying a house really isn't up my alley because i'm kind of nomadic but I decided to buy a house, and I the, the day I got into it, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to keep this thing. I'm going to sell it. So I decided to renovate the entire house, and about three-quarters of the way through, I looked at the front door, and I was like, fuck this front door. I don't want it. This thing is ugly. So I ripped it off. It's not ugly. I ripped it off, and I went and bought a brand-new front door <laughs> that I put on. And I thought to myself... There's no way I'm going to sell this thing, sell this front door, because it's way too ugly. It's like half painted. It's like painted tannish peach on the inside and unpainted brown on the outside. It's called wood. It's natural wood on the other side. One side needs to be stripped. It's not even wood, though. It's like particle board. It's nasty. Veneer, but... And and so I'm just like, I'm going to throw it up on Facebook for free and just somebody come get it. And 700 people replied. And every single person, they're like, is it available? Yes. Is it available? Yes. Is it available? Yes. 
And I would say probably 25 people asked for my address, which I gave them very quickly. One person showed up. That's this one. Kelly Carberry <laughs> rolls up with a tiny little green trailer. I think it was green. Yeah. And um, I don't know why I remember it was green. But you should roll up with a tiny green trailer and pull in my door. And then we start talking about all of uh, the common friends we have. Mm-hmm on Facebook because mm-hmm. I stalked you for like two seconds and I was mm-hmm. like, Hey, we have friends. And then it was like, and then you said, Hey, I have a bunch of board games. You should come play board games mm-hmm. with us. And then our friendship yeah. was solidified. And so you are a friend because of only someone a that door, only someone that doesn't have style would think that this is not a cool door. I just want you to know it's very MCM and very in now everybody. So your girl going to have a fly front door next all, summer. All I know is, <laughs> I made a ridiculous profit off this house because of my style oh, and my oh. ability, yes, my ability to. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir, master. You do so well on your remodel. <laughs> I did. Thank you. Yeah, it's very kind of you. You did. It was beautiful. Okay. One last question. Are you ready? Oh, my gosh. No. Yes. Okay. So the, the microphone that's in front of you is a special microphone. Woo! And... I'm going to click the button and the entire planet can hear you, hear you for 30 seconds. Oh, gosh. What would you say? Three, two, one, go. Um, so, world, hello out there, world. What I want you to know is to be very kind to yourself. It's one thing I tell everybody, which is something I haven't done my entire life. Um, be kind to yourself because we're ever-changing and ever-growing. Um, and also, don't be afraid of change, because sometimes change may lead you in one direction that isn't beneficial, but sometimes it leads you in a direction that is beneficial. And just because something was negative and that change doesn't mean that it wasn't a negative influence on your life. Um, and just to learn every day and don't tell yourself if you don't accomplish something that it's a failure because I don't think things are failures. I think it's just a moment for you to adjust and reevaluate your goal and come up with a different solution because it was a growing point. So, um, yeah, just, but most of all, be kind to yourself because it's a much better world when you are. Be kind to yourself. Yeah. Awesome. Deuces. Thank you, Cal. Thank you. You need to have us over again for some board games soon. Listen. Don't, don't say that you're busy. Just say okay. Listen. And then invite me. It's going to happen. Shake and roll, bitch. Shake and roll. That's that's all that matters is that's right. the shake and roll. Ed, Gina, if you're listening, come over. Yeah. Got to get Chloe. the whole crew. Chloe. Flavio. Fabio. We got to get Kate, Corey. Kate and Corey, where the where the hell you been, y'all? Listen, they were here before you got here. Kate, Kate and Corey, what the hell? Yeah. Yeah, we got Casper. Where Heather, you at? Heather. We got <laughs> yeah, Anna. Anna, where you at? Shit, man, it's going down. It's going down. It's going down. Thanks, thanks, Kyle, for coming. All right, on. thanks for uh, letting me on your beautiful podcast. Of course, it was fun. Healing minds, sir. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye.